Hey, I'm excited to share what God's put on, put on my heart today. I'm going to read from uh, a good portion of Luke chapter 19. And I can't wait to share it with you because uh, some things have happened to me over this past few weeks. So I'm going to uh, spiritually, and I'm going to attempt to explain what's, what's happening to me. And it might be happening to you as well. Um, but I want you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 26. Do you mind? 26 verses. This might be the most verse, verses you've read all week. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I want you to make sure you go home and you read these Bible verses on your own uh, because we've been uh, challenging and talking about this every week. I believe God wants to speak to you personally and, and make it a habit when you hear a sermon here and you, you see scriptures read to write down the scriptures and go home on your own and study them. God might tell you something that he hasn't told me that will encourage you and strengthen you. And when God does tell you that, make sure you come and tell me so the next time I preach this sermon, I can preach what God told you and not give you the credit. Somebody shout, amen. The first time you tell me the revelation, I'll say, yeah, Adam, my boy Adam once said, the second time I repeat it, I heard someone say, the third time, like I always say, and it didn't even come from me. So, man, make sure you're studying God's Word. But Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 26 says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was... He was over all of the IRS. Come on, this was worse back then. Like it was, the way they collected taxes were, was so wrong. And he was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Can you imagine that? Jesus spending the night at your house. Can you imagine? I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what your kitchen looks like, if you got a chance to wash the dishes. But I don't know about you, but Jesus coming to spend the night at my house would send me a state in a state of panic. Like I get fresh, I get nervous when the in-laws are coming in town. Jesus says, I'm coming to spend the night at your house. Somebody just emptying out the whole liquor cabinet, just all your Hennessy just down the sink. Like when you coming, Jesus? <laughs> says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house. I love the fact that Zacchaeus didn't climb down and go clean up his house. He just took Jesus to his house in great excitement Enjoy. This original version means that it, it, it could have brought Zacchaeus to tears, the type of joy that he had. It says, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Like notorious means you were known for that sin. Like you've lost track of your identity. Notorious means they don't call you uh, uh, Johnny. They don't call you David. They don't call you Michelle. They call you, they're identifying you by the name of your sin. Notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded to the life change. Zacchaeus didn't even raise his hand. Just something shifted in him. Nobody counted the three. We love to count the three, but 
and it's powerful moments, but there was no altar call. He wasn't in a church service. But something shifted in him, and Jesus said this to him, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost, saying that he was looking for Zacchaeus the whole time. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He was telling his disciples, hey, I know this person got saved, but there's more. Somebody say there's more. He, he said, a noble man was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, master, I, I have invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed, you are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done. You notice the 10 times person and the five times person got the same response from Jesus. Well done. It, it seems that Jesus isn't looking for numbers, he's looking for multiplication. Did you just bring me back more? You could have brought me back 10 times, you could have brought me back five times. I'm just looking if what I give you, will you multiply it? I don't want to get ahead of myself because I, I feel like preaching that right there, but hold on. He says, but the third servant, uh-oh, brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. You could have put it in Chase. <laughs> you just gonna put it under your mattress? Like I'm not coming back? He says... Then turning to the other standing by, the king ordered, take the money from this servant, uh-oh, and give it to the one who has ten. Uh-oh. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Look how much you're already doing for him. Yeah, but I need to, I see what he is doing with it, so I got to take what you're, I got to take what you're not doing anything with and give it to somebody else. That's a scary verse. I don't know why you're clapping, I'm scared. Y'all are real holy this morning. I say, he's going to take it away from you and give it to somebody else. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. Do I need to read it again? I was like, shoot. He says, yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. How many of you are believing for blessing? Can I just stop here? I, I, I want to help you. You don't have to spend 10 hours in your prayer closet asking God to bless you. Just do something with the little he's given you, and it's guaranteed. He said, from, from those who do nothing, even, even what little they have will be taken away. He's saying, in, 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 in this time, people will be involved in a feast or a famine, depending on what they do with the little 
I've, I've given them. I, I remember one time I dropped a penny and didn't pick it up. I, I dropped a $20 bill and I picked it up quick. I was in a rush with the penny, but it was little, so big deal. Some of you have something in your life that looks like a penny and you just, you don't realize that if you would multiply the penny, if you would just multiply the little that you have, God would, would, would bless you. I, I, I want to preach this message to you this morning called More Than a Member. More Than a Member. Something happened to me a few weeks ago that I wasn't expecting. Um, I was uh, told in May that my wife and I, well, I was told before that, that we would be the next lead pastors of Oasis Church, and we were told by our amazing pastors, Philip and Holly, that October 13th would be the day that we would be commissioned and prayed in. And I didn't know how to feel about that. You know, it, it's like it, you get to this place in your life where so much of the promises of God brought you to a moment, but also the pain. People would come up to me and say, are you excited? And I would say, I wouldn't say that I'm not excited, but that's not the right word. It was like God had used this recipe of my pain and his purpose and brought me to this point. And so many of the things that I prayed to get out of, God used. And so many things I prayed to get to that he didn't allow me to, God used. So then there was this thing where it was hard to know how to feel. You have this incredible legacy that you have called to carry and you start questioning whether you're good enough to do what God called you to do. And I got this profound revelation before I walked in the October 13th. The answer was no. I'm not good enough to do what God has called me to do, which is exactly why God called me. Because it sends a message to you that this is not about skill. This is not about leadership. It involves skill. It involves leadership. So many things we make it about when it's just supposed to involve that. God wanted to use me as an example of what he could do in your life if you just follow him. And so here we go. So on October 13th, I, 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 you know, I had my suit. I don't know if you were here that night, but my suit was fire. So fire, dude. Turtleneck, maroon, wine-colored suit. I don't know if you're dark-skinned, man. Try maroon, man. It just really, like, I was a cross between Wesley Snipes and Denzel. Not, not new Wesley Snipes, old Wesley Snipes, like Blade. I was like Blade. Don't, don't Google his current picture. Google Blade. I was like that. Looking all cool, people are cheering, and people are so excited. People are giving us gifts, hugs. It was amazing. And then there was this one particular, the whole night was life-changing, but there was this one particular moment where something happened to me. And I haven't been able to shake it. I, it just brings me to tears. Even I can barely talk about it because there's this one moment that God gave me something and I haven't been able to shake it. 
And I want you to turn your attention to screen because I, I was able to identify the moment of when God gave me something that I'm believing he wants to give to you this morning. A, uh, a, a leader like Moses will always see farther than you will go. A real leader like Moses will, will often stand on a mountaintop and see farther than you will go. A real leader like a Joshua will go farther than you can see. Your eyes have not seen, son. Your, your ears have not heard. You cannot imagine the things that God has already ordained that will come through your life. And we've just come to say, God bless you. Help me, please. I watched this for two days straight, and it brought tears to my eyes because in that moment, something happened to me. I, I wouldn't have been able to describe it if you were sitting next to me, but something was surging through my body and my spirit, and I realized what it was on, on Friday. You know, it's been a little bit difficult for me to sleep. I can't stop thinking about it. And so I was like, I don't want to live my life like this forever. <laughs> you know, we ask God to do something, then he does it. And it's sometimes a blessing weighs more than the pain. And I'm like, what is that? And I, I went on a journey to figure out what has happened to me since that moment where he said that, where he said a, a leader like Moses will stand on top of a mountain and see places he can't go. And then he pointed to me and he said, but a leader like Joshua will go places he can't see. And that moment something came on the inside of me that I don't know if I'll ever be able to escape and it was called conviction. Yeah. I'm convicted. Conviction is this term that means there is something inside of you that is so convinced it propels you forward into the things your eyes can't see. And God's been telling me, Julian, the church needs conviction, and they're asking for me to show it to them. But I need them to have conviction. You know what produces conviction? Faith. You know what the opposite of faith is? It's not fear. We might have heard that faith over fear. No, no, no. It's faith over sight. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, but by faith. See, if you're trying to see, you won't walk until you can see something. But if you're convicted, it could be cloudy. You could not know how it's going to turn out. The industry doesn't need a better actor. It needs some convicted people that's saying, I know what God called me to. The church doesn't need another member. It needs somebody who's convicted. I'm convicted about the city of Los Angeles. I'm convicted about my friends who don't know Jesus. I'm convicted about suicide on the rise. I'm convicted about the foster care system. On October 13th, I got convicted. God convicted. Hebrews 11 verses 1 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of the things you cannot see. 
I wonder if we stop praying for clarity and start praying for conviction, what would happen? I wonder if the business owner would stop praying about how it's all going to work out and say, God, you told me to start this business. I need to be convicted because when you're not convicted, you get, when you're not convicted, you get evicted out of the purpose and plans for your life by the enemy. Because he knows he can throw a challenge at you. He can throw a battle at you and you'll quit. But when you're convicted, you just move forward in the middle of a storm. Peter was convicted in his storm. The other disciples, maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but Peter had a conviction. He said, Lord, it is, if it's you, bid me to come to you, and I'll step out on the water. And we always say, he took his eyes off Jesus, that's why he sank. Yeah, he sank, but he's the only other human I know to take two steps on the water. If I step out and walk on water at the YMCA, and Jesus is on the water at the YMCA, and I sink and Jesus lifts me up, I wish you would say, you should have kept your eyes on Jesus. Why don't you get in the water and see how hard it is? We miss that, that Jesus lifted Peter up, and they walked back to the boat together. That experience was priceless because of conviction conviction. I got convicted. I got to, I have to, I actually have to make sure that I don't take this too far. I'm convicted. I'm so convicted. I want every single person in the city to know Jesus. I'm not, I'm convicted. I want all of my friends, all of the, I, I, I go to coffee shops. I want the barista. I want, man, I'm so convicted. I want you to get saved twice. You might already raise your hand, raise it again. I'm that convicted. I'm convicted. I'm not a member. I used to be. What we realize is, and I want to share with you, is you're, you're, you're looking at a picture in that video of not just what I am, but where I came from. I used to be a member. I used to just come in here and leave, and then when I started serving, I started moving forward. I started getting this thing called conviction that the Bible says is a byproduct of faith and will move you forward into the things you can't see. Do you know um, donkeys are, have a reputation for stubborn animals? They're not stubborn. They're not. They're actually loyal. The reason why they got a reputation for being stubborn animals is because the rider will be on them and sometimes they won't move. And the reason why they don't move is primarily two reasons. They don't know the rider that is on them. Right? Jesus came and rode in on a donkey, and it was a donkey that had never been ridden. So when Jesus was on the donkey, it went against the nature of the donkey. The donkey naturally wouldn't have moved. But because Jesus was on the donkey, now the donkey did things it wouldn't do before. The donkey became convicted. I got to move. Jesus is here. It had never been ridden before. And Jesus convicted a donkey. Why do you think he said, make sure the donkey's never been ridden before? Because when he got on the donkey, the donkey got convicted and rode Jesus into Jerusalem. God can, there can be a move of God through a convicted donkey before there's a move of God in an indifferent Christian. Jesus came on 
the donkey. You know the second reason why they don't move? When the rider, even though they know the rider, tries to take them down a journey that they seem dangerous, they stop. They're not stubborn, they're afraid. They're afraid. Do you know a donkey that's never been ridden? Jesus getting on that donkey and then riding him into a shouting crowd? He would have never moved. If you allow the Spirit of God to come up upon your life, it will take you places. He will take you places that you wouldn't go on your own because you'll get convicted. I wouldn't be a pastor on my own. I wouldn't preach on my own. I wouldn't lead on my own. I wouldn't study the Bible on my own. I wouldn't start a nonprofit for foster care kids on my own. I wouldn't even pray on my own. There was nothing I would do on my own, but Jesus showed up, Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I got convicted. And conviction precedes movement. We look at the story of Zacchaeus. We look at that, that chapter that we read, and, and it's two levels of conviction. Zacchaeus, that, that, that chapter we just read, Luke 19, verses 1 through 26, are two different levels of conviction. I want to take a second look at it. Watch what it says. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. It says he was the chief tax collector. It's important for you to know that, like, think of, like, top five worst sins, top five worst people, he's in that category. Like I know like now that, that cultural context doesn't make sense to you, but he would have been hated. He would have been hated. The person that you don't like. Pick the person that bothers you the most, right? And imagine him climbing a tree and Jesus calling him out of the tree, not you. That would have been hard to watch. Because somebody in here got somebody that if they, they climb the tree, and, and imagine this, Jesus tells this person, he says, Jesus, in verse 5, came by, looked at Zacchaeus and called him my name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. All the religious people got mad because Jesus saying, do you know who you're eating with? Watch this. Jesus didn't change him, he shared a meal. So I must be a guest in your home, let's eat. There are a few verses in the Bible where Jesus shows up and wants to share a meal, and this particular person is a sinner. It says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. After everybody was hating on him, everybody was saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with this dude? Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and got convicted about his sin. He didn't get condemned. He got convicted. You got to be careful. Because the enemy will try to make you think that condemnation is conviction. I had someone call me the other day and tell me, hey, you know, I, I really need, the Lord's been telling me, I got to get my priorities straight. I don't read my Bible enough. That ain't Jesus. That's condemnation. That's not conviction, that's condemnation. How Jesus would have said it. Would, hey, I got a lot that I want to tell you in my word today. Hey, will you sit down with me? What did Jesus tell Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner. And did Jesus say, hey, Zacchaeus, I need you to get some things together. I need you to fix some stuff. I need you to change. Don't come out of that tree and come talk to me. I need you to, you got to stop collecting all this money from my people. 
You got to stop being so shady. No. He says, Zacchaeus, I got to come to your house today. You got to be careful that you're not calling condemnation conviction. Because con conviction draws you near. Condemnation draws you away. So he was convicted. And, and look how convicted he was. He said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Now, Bible scholars say Zacchaeus was for sure Jewish. For sure. He said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. I, I want you to tell you, this is how you know it's conviction. Conviction will move you beyond what you're even supposed to do. Condemnation deals with the law and, and deals with what you're supposed to do, the bare minimum. Conviction moves you beyond what you're even supposed to do. Do you know there was a law that Zacchaeus would have known to follow if you cheat somebody out of money? I want to take you to Numbers 5, verses 5 through 7 real quick. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel, if any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing a wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make a full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. Zacchaeus would have known this law, that if he had, he had taken something from another person, he was supposed to give it back plus 20%. So had he taken $1,000, he was supposed to give back $1,000 plus 200. 200. He was supposed to give back 1,200. What does Zacchaeus give back? Four times. Conviction will take you beyond the rules, beyond the law. Conviction will say, how long am I supposed to serve? Yeah, you can serve once a month. Conviction is like, I'm here every Sunday. Every Sunday I'm available. I'm just convicted. Conviction will say, what, what, we got to, conviction will have you given over and above. Conviction will have you give out of your poverty. Conviction will have you praying for people for hours. Conviction will have you in the presence of God. Conviction will have you on time to church. Conviction will have you preaching the gospel and power. Conviction will do all type of stuff. It'll take you beyond the limits. He was only supposed to add 20%, but he was convicted. Conviction doesn't say this is too much. This is, conviction doesn't say that. Conviction says, I'll die for this. Conviction says, no, this is not about a title. This is about the purpose of God on my life. Conviction is powerful. Zacchaeus was so convicted, he gave four times when the Bible says 20% was enough. He gave 400%. 400% through conviction. Conviction will take you from a member to a participant. And the thing is, we can get up here and do all these announcements, but you were born to be more than a member. This is not about what we're telling you to do. This is about what you were born to do. And if you don't do what you are born to do, there'll be something on the inside of you that will never, ever be fulfilled. You were born for this. That's what I should have called this message. You were born for this. I realized 
in that moment in that video, I got convicted. This is, I wasn't just called to it. This is not just my job. I realized in that moment when Bishop Over said that, I was born to do it. When I was in my mother's womb, God said, I got a guy who, do you hear what I'm saying? Who 42 years from now is going to lead a church. I was born to do it. Now I'm convicted and I will not stop. I will not rest until every person in this city knows Jesus. I'm convicted. Jeremiah said this. If somebody tried to stop me, I wouldn't be able to stop. I got to say what God's telling me to say. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I got to do what God called me to do. I got to overcome every obstacle. I got to move forward. People leave. People talk about me. But there's a fire shut up in my bones. I got to lead this church. I got to reach this city. I have to serve. I have to give. It's a fire shut up in my bones. I can't help it. I was born to do it. born to do it. I was born to do it. Put your hand over your heart and say, I was born to do it. You were born for this. You were born for it. You were born for it. And church is not, church is about telling you what you were born for. That's why we do grow track. That's what, y'all got to start showing up to this because you're born for it, but you ain't made for it. Uh-oh. You hear what I said? I'm a, uh, they didn't like that one. You were born for it, but you're not made for it. What does the Bible say? Go and make disciples. So we're trying to make disciples so you can be made for what you're born for. Because if you step into what you're born for and you didn't allow anyone to make you a disciple, what you were born for will kill you. This is why we, we got to have 400 people going to growth track. We got to have 500 people going to growth track. So you can be made for what you're born for. Zacchaeus got convicted and went above and beyond. That's a convicted church, above and beyond. I'm so grateful for the people who serve because they're going above and beyond. We got people here who are serving one service, attending one service. They, they, we got people here who have a fire shut up in their bones. And we want to invite you to be more than a member. Here's the thing. There was a second level of conviction, though. In, in that same verse, Jesus was no joke. Look at verse 11. He tells Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Think about this. Zacchaeus is a notorious sinner. All he did was climb a tree. This, this church right here is a tree climbing moment for somebody. You're just climbing a tree trying to see what's going on with Jesus. All you had to do was climb the tree. Live your whole life in sin. How awesome is Jesus? Can you imagine? Think of your worst enemy. Zacchaeus would have been an enemy of Jesus with what he was doing. And all Zacchaeus had to do was climb a tree. And Zacchaeus, and Jesus is like, hey, I'm, I'm coming to your house today. It don't matter where you've been or what you've done. If you're first time in church, this is your tree climbing moment. You climb the tree and Jesus calls you down out of the tree to eat with you. To hang out with you. Not to change you. To hang out with you. And anybody who hangs out with Jesus gets changed. 
That's just the way it works. That's not spiritual, by the way. You hang out with Michael Jordan, you hang out with LeBron James, I promise you, a couple of your jump shots are going to fall more often than they would. You play basketball with LeBron James, you're going to be better at basketball. He's that good. You hang out with Jesus, you're going to be more like, he's that good. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. You hang out with me, I promise you there'll be more seasoning in your food. That's all I got. This is all I got. Some of y'all food is bland. Promise you, you'll be knowing where Lowry's is. Come on, adobo. Come on. All my Hispanic people make some noise. Get some of that Goya. <laughs> All the Hispanic people are like. <laughs> you hang out with Jesus, you're gonna be more like him. Some of y'all are so hung up that you don't hang out. Hung up on your own sin. I like Jesus. This is just my San Bernardino version. I'm gonna write a, my own version of the Bible one day called the S. <laughs> the SBV, the San Bernardino version. And you're going to hear in the Bible, when you hung up on your own sin, Jesus, the Bible's going to say, my San Bernardino, he's going to throw his hands up and say, didn't I die for this? This is going to be that, just one page. He died for it. He was hung up, so you don't have to be. Now you can just hang out. And when you hang out, you start to get some conviction. He doesn't even say, Jesus didn't even say anything to Zacchaeus other than I want to eat with you. And Zacchaeus said, how much I got to get back? Wait, four times? Because he was convicted. But then you have Jesus telling the crowd, hey, I want to let you know there's another level. I don't want you to think the kingdom of God has started. Salvation is the beginning of your journey. In verse 11, he said the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And, and because he was nearing Jer Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. We're going to pick up in verse 12 where he tells this story about the next level of conviction. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Verse 13 says... Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver. Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and he sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants who had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant multiplied by 10 times. Second servant multiplied by five times. And you notice God didn't give them more money, he gave them more influence. He didn't give them more silver, he gave them more cities. And some of us are so consumed with silver, we don't realize our inheritance, our heritage, inheritance is a city, not silver. Some of you came to the city for the silver. And God's saying, I never sent you to the city for the silver. I will provide the silver if you want to reach the city. But when you use the city for its silver, and you don't use your silver to reach a city, that's why people don't give in offerings, because they're here in the city for the silver. 
But God's saying, if you will just use your silver to help me reach the city, I, I, will, I will continue to provide. I'll... Jesus shows up and calls. These would have been Christians. Zacchaeus, he says, hey, I got to eat in your house. The person that doesn't want to do anything with what they've been given, he calls wicked. Why didn't he call Zacchaeus wicked? This second level of conviction, first level was obviously the conviction of sin. This second level of conviction is the conviction of multiplication. I must do more with what I've been given. Not ask for more, because I don't need to. God wants you to multiply. Your more is in your multiplication. You got to be more than a member. You got to be convicted. You got to be convicted because a convicted person will multiply the little and make it a lot. So many people want to do it big, but the journey to do it big is not often doing it big. It's doing little things a long time until little things become a big thing. It's conviction. It is conviction. God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And he wasn't just talking about kids. He was talking about everything I've given you. Can you multiply it? Can I put something in your hand and it becomes more through your faithfulness and your diligence and your faith and your conviction? Your, your, your conviction. Something happened to me that day. And I didn't have a Zacchaeus moment because I was already saved. Interesting enough, there's only one other verse, maybe, I don't want to say there's only one other verse, but there's only one other verse I have found in the Bible where Jesus showed up out of nowhere, unexpected, trying to eat with somebody. It's in Revelation chapter 3. We read Luke 19, and that was to a sinner. Revelation chapter 3 is to the church. And Jesus says this in verse 14, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot or cold. You're not on fire. You're not an atheist. You're not convicted. You're not an atheist. I could actually do more with an atheist than I could do with a lukewarm I can do something with hot water, I can make some top ramen, do something with cold water, cool down my sweet tea. Lukewarm water has very few, what do you do with it? You got to either heat it up or put it in the refrigerator. That's what he's saying. He says, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I got everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, so I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will, he's talking about faith, so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone that I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Zacchaeus was a sinner and Jesus said, I got to eat with you. He's talking about indifferent, no conviction having Christians. And what does he say? Look, I stand at the door and knock. 
If you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in and we will share in a meal together as friends. He's eating with the sinner, Zacchaeus. And then over here, he's eating with the Christian who doesn't have any conviction. The solution to both is Jesus. Different problems, same answer. Over here, you're a tax collector. You're caught up in your sin. You gotta eat with Jesus. You gotta be around Jesus. Over here, you've lost your first true love. You've been believing for 20 years. You can talk about what God did in 97, and Jesus is saying, turn from your indifference. I need a convicted church. Let me come in and eat with you. 